Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long-distance dating and everything in between. Today's guest is Yasmin Benoit. Yasmin, do you want to maybe introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do? Um, I am a model and aromantic asexuality activist from the UK. So my mission is just to raise as much awareness about asexuality and aromanticism as I can. I love that. What What was the moment that you realized you kind of wanted to be an advocate and kind of speak about it in public and, and talk about aromantic asexuality on like a larger level? I mean, it was kind of unintentional. I mean, I've known I was asexual since and aromantic since I was a kid. And I've okay. been on social media and stuff because of modeling for a while, but I didn't really mention it at all but I was very aware that there was like an absence of representation it just didn't cross my mind to do anything about it until like 2017's national coming out day where I kind of just made a funny video about things people say to asexual people okay and then after that there was a conference an asexuality conference near me so I went to that and then things just kind of like snowballed I didn't really expect people to care about my identity, which is why I hadn't mentioned it for years. But then before I knew it, people were like coming to me for that. And then I was like, oh God, I think I'm like an activist now. So I might as well roll with it. (laughs) I feel like that's always how it happens, especially like in the sex and relationship space. It's like one day you just start talking about it and people want to listen, especially if you kind of have a unique story and you're willing to talk about something that other people aren't and you wake up and you're like, oh, this is what I do now. Yeah. And I was always like, I wouldn't have expected people in the community to want someone like me to be like a representative. It didn't really cross my mind. But then once they did, I was like, hey, why not me? I mean, there there are obviously people out there that relate. So why shouldn't I try and fill the void if I can? Why did you feel like people maybe wouldn't have wanted you to be that person? I mean, I'm kind of weird. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not like a public speaker as far as everyone else was concerned. I was just a, an Instagram girl that posts pictures in my underwear or whatever. <laughs> so I thought <laughs> as a representative for a community of like asexual people, I wouldn't have thought that they would like this weird gothic black girl who's always in her underwear to be like the face <laughs> of something. But I was pretty pleasantly surprised that people were very like into it. Um, so yeah, it was all kind of unintentional, but I'm very pleasantly surprised by the support that I've gotten. And that's the only reason I kept doing it, to be honest. Yeah. But I feel like, to be honest, I feel like that's what makes 
you such a great advocate is that you kind of represent the fact that there isn't one face um, to asexuality and you can still, you know, post cute pictures in your underwear. And you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be because I feel like and I, and I know that you've talked about this a bit um, in your talks and your YouTube videos and stuff. But I feel like um, a lot of times people automatically associate a lot of the um, LGBT community, maybe the asexual community. I mean, a lot of different communities that are might like like that uh, as being like whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mean, activist wise, before I did anything, I hadn't seen any um, black asexuality activists before. The only other yeah. asexual people I'd met were white. Um, the only activists I saw were white. So I did feel like there was a void, but I was also kind of like, well, maybe like this is just what the community relates to more. But it turns out that people have been kind of hoping for something a little different for a while and they nominated me for some reason. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're here either way. (laughs) Um, One thing I wanted to talk about, and I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like asexuality and obviously asexuality has been around forever, but I feel like it's just now, like thankfully becoming a bigger conversation and really kind of part of the narrative of, um, of, you know what I mean, of, of sexualities. I feel like it's one of those things that wasn't like really spoken about and there wasn't a lot of advocacy for it. And in the past year or two, at least that I've been in the space, I've noticed kind of like a huge jump in people kind of talking about it and being like, hey, we exist, we're here. There are more of us than people think. And we deal with a lot of shit too. And we're here to talk about that and advocate. Yeah. I mean, I feel like definitely it has been the most invisible sexuality for the majority of like human existence. And I'm still trying to work out why because like if you were talking to someone and you were like oh are you a cat person or a dog person and or do you just not really want a pet like you would kind of give that option but for sexuality yeah. it's either like you like this or you like this there's no option for just not really wanting anything like that and yeah. I've found it weird that like out of considering how much people talk about sexuality now and how much people analyze it and and like go deeply into it and question the heteronormative ideals a lot of people still haven't gotten the gotten to grips of asexuality yet so it's yeah it's definitely been like I feel like our visibility has been quite stunted for most of my lifetime so I'm definitely personally I'm trying to like do what I can to boost that up but I'm as a community I'm always telling people like we need to be louder like we need to get in people's faces more we've been been too quiet (laughs) yeah absolutely and I and I feel like too there's still so much to learn and that's kind of a beautiful thing because even for me who like is in the sex and relationship space, I up until this year didn't even know that there was an entire spectrum of asexuality. And I feel like a lot of people don't know that. Would you mind maybe kind of giving, I mean, me as well as the listeners a little, um, a little bit of like what that asexuality spectrum looks like? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's wide in like different kinds of directions because it's like, there's, because I mean, the general definition is not experiencing sexual attraction and sexual attraction defined in the sense of wanting to have sex with somebody because you feel uh-huh. sexual desire towards that person. That phenomenon is not something like I personally don't have that phenomenon. Um, uh-huh. It is sometimes confused with sexual activity. There are some asexual people that are okay with having sex with somebody, like they might be in a relationship with someone who isn't asexual, for example, or they might actually just like how sex feels, but 
and they can look past the lack of sexual attraction part. Some people can, some people can't. Um, so in a sense, there's that kind of spectrum of like how like sex adverse you are in terms yeah. of yourself. Um, and then there's a spectrum of like how much attraction you actually feel to somebody like some asexual people um who are known as like demisexual people like they'll only experience it in if they know the person well okay. so of, if it's like a stranger that's like irrelevant they have to be like they have to already have built up like a, a deep relationship before they can even think oh that person's actually pretty hot like there's an option yeah. there. um and then there's just asexual people who just might only experience sexual attraction like once every decade or something so it's kind of like or maybe just less than the average person so it's more of a gray yeah. area so the spectrum kind of spans in different ways and then what exactly is aromantic well that isn't a uniquely asexual thing um that is just yeah. not experiencing romantic attraction and i know that in our society people usually group sexual attraction and romantic attraction together but I've noticed yeah. increasingly in like bisexual and pansexual communities, they understand like the whole split attraction aspect of how you could be like romantically attracted to someone, but not sexually or more sexually attracted to someone, but not romantically. So it's not strictly an asexual thing because there are straight people who don't experience um, romantic attraction and just aren't interested in like the, well, the kind of things that our society ascribes to that idea. Like yeah, I've always absolutely. seen romantic attraction is kind of like, it's a term, like romance in general, is like a term to describe feelings that exist in some people, but it doesn't exist or manifest the same way for everybody. So yeah. romantic people are just those who like, they're just, it's just not on their radar. So is it possible? I mean, I guess anything's possible, right? But is it, have you um, like encountered someone who's aromantic in the sense that they don't really experience experience romantic attraction, but they're not asexual and they still want to have sex? Yeah, I've definitely, I've encountered people like that in the aromantic community. And I guess for a lot of like in the way our society perceives it, they probably would just see that as being like, I don't know, kind of like a frat boy lifestyle, just like a... Yeah. Yeah, they probably get like a bad rep for almost being like kind of like a fuckboy kind of person. Yeah, it just kind of seems like, oh, I just want to have sex, but I don't, but I just don't want to commit to anybody. But it isn't necessarily about not committing. It's just the type of relationship you'd go for. Like you can technically, you can be aromantic and you can still commit to someone platonically or commit to someone yeah. in lots of different ways, but just not in that kind of typical romantic kind of way. Yeah, well, that, that was another question that I was going to ask was, I guess, even though somebody can be aromantic or asexual or both or somewhere on that spectrum, they you can still want to have some sort of life partner. And of course, every relationship, heteronormative or whatever, uh, looks different. But I'm guessing that there are still ways where people still want to have a life partner. And maybe that person also identifies or doesn't. And maybe... Um, for someone who's aromantic and asexual, is it still something where you'd want to find a partner that you'd maybe want to coexist with in a platonic way and that kind of be your life partner? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not actively seeking anything out, um, but I'm not against it. And I'm, I mean, I'm one of those people, like I do intend at some point 
to have a kid. I don't know what capacity. I also want to have a pug, um, maybe either <laughs> or. It depends on how much I like the pug. I might be like, this This actually works better. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm like, I haven't really considered how about that would happen, but it would presumably be with someone who I think genetically pleasing, we can vibe, we can co-parent without yeah. the drama of, <laughs> of the relationship, which might fare better, to be honest. I yeah, think that would actually be a bit easier. Like, I feel like that could be a really, really healthy upbringing for a child because they don't have to deal with all of like the drama and issues and insecurity that come with like a romantic or sexual relationship. I know to be honest, I'm surprised more people like don't do that. Like I know like that's kind of like a like a comedic movie plot line, but I feel like practically speaking, some friendships last a lot longer than relationships once kids come into it. So I feel like that's not the worst idea. Yeah, I I agree. That could be great. So so partnership in an asexual community can look like a million different things, and it can be anywhere from, like you said, maybe somebody who is um, not asexual but aromantic finding someone that is similar in their beliefs and can still kind of satisfy that sexual side of them without needing to be satisfied by the romantic side or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I know um, I know asexual people with kids. I know asexual couples who are married. I know asexual people who are dating people that aren't asexual or asexual people in kind of polyamorous situations. Like they okay. might be like a third parent to a kid or they yeah. might be the partner that the other person doesn't rely on for the sexual stuff, but they go to for like all the other stuff. So there are like That's a bunch of different ways it could work. Yeah, that's one thing I always, uh, and I've talked about on the podcast, find so beautiful about polyamory is that as humans, we're so um, nuanced and and so complicated. And I feel like with so many really successful polyamorous relationships, it's because they've found people that give them the things that they need in different ways. And, and one of their partners might give them one aspect of a relationship that's really important to them, but can't, you know, fill that other side. And that's where the third comes in and they can kind of have this really beautiful give and take. Yeah. And I think that um, people don't really include asexuality in that conversation that much, but I've seen examples of like how that works quite well. If you're the kind of person that isn't, that is, open to being like the third person or the fourth person or however many people are involved in that relationship so yeah I think that's just like another option of how but especially nowadays now that we're kind of more open-minded with those kind of things I think that that's another option that asexual people have if they're polyamorous yeah I feel like that's that yeah I feel like that's such a great option because somebody who is um, asexual, like you know like we've talked about maybe isn't going to satisfy that sexual need but maybe you have this like just innate connection that you can't really describe and you have beautiful conversation or maybe you, you know, feed off of each other creatively or something. And those things are just as important in a relationship as, you know, the sexual or romantic side or whatever, and, and could easily add to something that's polyamorous and, and, and really fulfilling. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think that's the fun thing about like, when you kind of include asexuality in conversations, it kind of makes people think about the important parts of relationships from a different perspective because like the kind of things that asexual people or people who are aromantic or not aromantic but are asexual like you kind of have to see it differently like some people really think that like sex is a main component in a relationship and everything else is like a bonus but when you kind of consider and then when they hear about asexual couples or asexual couples who are like married they're like if you're not having sex then how do you like like how how do you make that 
work. And even from my perspective as an aromantic person, I would never be able to enter any kind of romantic relationship because for me it would just feel like a friendship with rules but I know that like for other asexual people it makes perfect sense but for me I've always been like I I would personally for me I wouldn't see the point right yeah absolutely so did you you said that you've known you've always known that you were asexual since you were a kid did you feel like there was a certain point in your life where you decided it's time to maybe like label this and start like looking for my community um I think it was more other people trying to label it. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should think about this more. Because okay. um, I mean, I know that's, a, that's a, like, I feel like my understanding of sexuality, it really comes from what other people like place on you. Because as a kid, like you're just, you're just you. Then there becomes right. an age where you're not just you, you're a single you. And yeah. it's like, when did that, when did that come into it? When did I become a single person as opposed to just a person functioning like what like there's an age where people start being like oh well she's maybe is she seeing anybody is she interested in that yet and I'm like when did this become part of the conversation and I only noticed that I was feeling differently when everyone else seemed to notice that they weren't or people started asking about it but I didn't know the word asexuality until I was like 15 because people kept asking (laughs) and trying to come up with explanations for why I was the way I was and I didn't I learned aromanticism around the same time but I didn't really use it because I didn't see I didn't really see the relevance of it until I realized that there are loads of asexual people who aren't aromantic so it is kind of important to make the distinction because I thought it was the same thing got it okay interesting and I feel like I, I just did an episode um with a friend of mine and we talked a lot about male bisexuality and how with a lot of different labels um there's kind of two schools of thought right there's this first one where it's I shouldn't have to label it. I And almost like you said, it's like you just were and you didn't really feel like you had to explain it or label it until other people kind of forced that upon you. But then there's this other side of the sword where it's like it's nice to have a community and, and labeling it has kind of given me you know, a voice and, and a community of people and something that I can Google and find tangible other people who are dealing with the same thing. And I feel like that's the same with asexuality where it's like this weird kind of double-edged sword of I shouldn't have to label this but now that there is a label there's there's an easier way for me to find other people and not maybe feel alone yeah I mean I kind of had a weird experience with the label because even when I it was brought to my attention that there was a word for it and I could google it and I was like oh cool this describes me all these people have the same experience as me obviously I'm not just crazy but then I was like that's only half helpful because I know what it means, but 90% of the world's population don't. So right. when people start giving me the sexuality quiz and I'm like, oh, I'm asexual. And they're like, what? No, you're not. And I'm like, okay, well, this actually hasn't been helpful at all yeah. <laughs> because no one else knows what I'm talking about. Like if I just said, oh, I'm gay, they would have been like, oh, okay. But it doesn't yeah. get that reaction. So I kind of like, I, it never, it didn't serve that much of a purpose for me until I got older and then the activism started. I feel like that's when right. I kind of actually started interacting properly with other asexual people and kind of feeling the community vibe. Because prior to that, I was always such a weird kid that I was like, okay, well now I know there's a word for this other unusual thing about me, but I don't I don't feel the need to to seek people out like me because I'm kind of already used to being the odd one. So I was like, okay, yeah. it's not that deep for me. <laughs> 
Do you feel like, and maybe this was more when you were younger, but I'm sure it's even now because, you know, humans are, can be ignorant. Do you feel like you get a lot of like annoying questions or pushback or like general ignorance from people who don't understand? Literally all the time. Um, (laughs) I mean, thankfully, since we've been in lockdown, I haven't had to like encounter many new people, but it would always... It was always like a like a 50-50 risk that like you either get the reaction of, oh, I don't know what that is. Tell me what that means. That sounds interesting. Or, yeah. uh, no, you're not because uh, your jeans are too tight and your top is too low. So you're obviously not. And then it just kind of turns into like a whole thing. Um, but then especially online, like I get so much like dumb stuff <laughs> said to me all the time where people just yeah. cannot compute that I'm asexual and they just refuse to believe it. And they'll come up with any kind of alternative to asexuality because it's just so hard to believe for some reason. I feel like especially as a woman, people um, love to kind of equate what you're right. I mean, it's like a classic thing. What what you're wearing with your how sexual you are, um, or the kind of kinds of photos you take or what you post on the internet. People love to take all of those things for women and turn them into something they're not or something that they want it to be. And so I'm sure that you're constantly getting like people like that, like you said, who are like, oh, you're dressed, you know you look hot. So therefore, since I am attracted to you, you must be sexual. It's like they're taking their own feelings and like kind of projecting it onto you. It's literally that. And like, for like, sometimes I've kind of like, okay, well, maybe if it's like, it's because I don't know, they're commenting on a picture where I'm in like lingerie or something. But I've noticed that it happens even if I'm wearing like jeans and a t-shirt, then it's, oh, well, are you wearing makeup? Well, I don't feel like asexual people would do that because that makes you attractive and I'm attracted to you and therefore you can't be asexual. And then it kind of like, it's this (laughs) mental gymnastics that happens. If you're wearing makeup and you, there's no way you're doing it for yourself. You must be doing it for other people. So therefore you must not be asexual. (laughs) It is. And I'm like, after a while, I'm just like, if you just want to compliment me and say, you think I'm hot, just say it. Cause (laughs) it's like, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. You're always going to say that's attractive. Therefore you're, you're not asexual. So just say you think I'm attractive and leave it alone. That's all you have to do. Absolutely. So um, you, and I'm guessing you do because you are an activist in the community, but uh, do you get a lot of people who come to you and are like, hey, I might be asexual? I do. I I do get people like that. And it's it's always hard to, it's it's hard when people ask me, like, do you think I'm this? Or even if they're like, do you think I should come out to this person? It's like, I don't know your situation. I like, like everyone's kind of everyone's kind of different so I can only be like it sounds like that experience is similar to mine and I am so I can kind of offer that but it's it is hard when people kind of want definite answers I'm like I don't feel comfortable giving that to you right for sure and I feel like there are also you know people who maybe aren't sure like uh maybe people who are just not super sexual or whatever. I've even feel like I've had girlfriends who have been in a very long relationship and they get to like kind of a dry spell sexually and they start to wonder, or maybe they, you know, dated five guys in a row over the course of five years and none of them really, they had a spark. And so they automatically are like, Oh, maybe I may sit like, there's so many, there's so much nuance to it that I feel like there are so many people who are wondering, Oh, A, B and C. So this maybe means I'm asexual. Yeah. And it's like some things like it's, 
sexuality can isn't like a consistent thing for some people like sometimes and i know people message me and they'll they'll give like a whole long scenario and be like so i feel like i might be asexual i'm like but you've also said that you've been feeling pretty low for a while maybe like if you're just not feeling good or you're stressed out then maybe you're just not in that headspace to be doing much like like a, to be in a very sexual place so it's like there are so many like like circumstances for these things so it's it's quite hard to kind of give advice without like knowing someone properly and even then like I know asexual people who have who worked it out as adults or had to go through a bunch of relationships before they worked out and then like I think I'm kind of unusual in like just kind of working it out at a young age and always being the kind of person that was like I'm not gonna make myself do something I don't want to do just to like conform to an idea so I didn't have to go through the experimentation stuff um yeah, it's kind of like it's different for everybody. It's like the journeys are different. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm and like I said, I'm still kind of learning. But one thing that was that was new to me that really made sense was um, the kind of area on the spectrum that I believe is uh, referred to as gray A. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting to me because I feel like that's kind of where a lot of people might fall into if they're kind of like, maybe I've always felt this way and then one thing happened and it really solidified it, but I'm not sure. And I feel like that's kind of, I don't really fully understand it, but I feel like it's kind of halfway between sexual and asexual. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah. It's always, it's always hard to kind of determine things definitely because when you're like, it's kind of easier to understand what asexuality is when it's like when you're just never really experiencing it, but it's hard to, no one really quantifies normal attraction rates, you know? Yeah. Like no one studies the people that tick the boxes of what is expected. People don't go around saying, how many times have you experienced sexual attraction this year? People don't really tally it. So it's always hard to determine like, is this like you can only really compare it to your peers or compare it to what you feel is right or your experiences because there isn't like a quantifiable way to be like, I'm experiencing this less than everyone else in the world because people don't discuss normal sexuality. They don't analyze normal. So it's kind of hard. That makes sense. And I feel like too, because because like you said, it's like with you know, some or most uh, a spectrum sexual, a asexual spectrum identities, the sex is out of it and it becomes so much more mental and emotional. It's like, that's so hard to, to, you know, to study in someone like you can't, uh, and, and, and this probably goes back to, to like you, like you having a hard time being like, yeah, maybe you're asexual because it's like, it's so internal and it's not something you can quantify again. Like, well, I've had sex with, five men this year and five women and I enjoyed it all equally. So I'm bisexual. It's like, it's all so internal. I feel like it's a little bit harder to kind of, you know, have an outside party tell you, well, yeah, you're this then. Yeah. And some people have like different standards. Like I, there are some, I mean, this isn't my standard. I think most of the community would still accept it. But if you were to say, I, I have had sex and I have enjoyed sex, but I still don't feel sexually attracted to the person. Some people might be like, well, that isn't really it but I mean it comes down to sexual attraction I mean some people I know plenty of people that aren't asexual who can have sex with people they're not attracted to without problems some people can't do that so it kind of just comes down to like what kind of a like what kind of a person you are as to like whether you can look past that detail and for some people it's like a hard no and for others it's a eh sure whatevs 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that it's good then that there's kind of like this very like wide spectrum where people can fall onto it and be like, oh, I fall, I fall somewhere around here, and that's okay. It's the same thing that we were having the conversation with bisexuality, where it's like, you know, you. I know people who were like, well, you know, I've hooked up with the same gender a few times and I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And so maybe I'm not fully straight, but I'm, you know, I just, I fall somewhere on somewhere, something, and that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, the whole point in having like the terms and having like the communities is that you find people whose experiences you relate to. So whether you're like entirely ticking the preconceived box or not, isn't really the important bit is whether if you feel like you can relate more to an asexual experience than a, I know a heterosexual experience, for example, then you're probably closer to asexuality, no matter yeah. what someone by someone else's standards, maybe you're not. But if that's how you right. feel, then that as long as that helps. Right. And that's, and that's enough. And I think that's what a lot of people have a, a problem with is like, well, if I'm not a hundred percent, then I can't identify. I'm not, I don't belong. And it's like, it, it's, I think it's fine for people to kind of fall somewhere in it and, and relate to an experience. And that's okay to leave it there without having to have a 100% identity surrounding it. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the fun things about the community is that like it overlaps with a lot of others because there are asexual people who are like homo romantic, for example. So they're attracted maybe like romantically to the same gender and so their experiences will be very similar to just like your average gay person's experience but with the asexual experience added into that so there's like a lot of community overlaps in the way society would perceive a homoromantic asexual person is different to how they would perceive me as an aromantic asexual person or a heteroromantic asexual person many would just think they're pretty much straight so it's kind of like a it overlaps in so many ways of human sexuality. So it still blows my mind that like it isn't included in most conversations about human sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying before, it's like with bisexuality, it makes so much sense because um, I identified for a long time as bisexual. I I now consider myself, and this goes back to again, labels like falling maybe somewhere closer to pansexual. But either way, I have had moments in my life where I've been like, I feel more uh romantically attracted to women and more sexually attracted to men and 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 that's an interesting an interesting way to look at it too is like to kind of take those terms and and relate them to bisexuality and feeling something for one gender and something for another yeah i've definitely heard of like more understanding of that coming from the bisexual community i guess because there is more new and the pansexual community because there is more nuance around like attraction and the yeah. way that it occurs. Um, yeah, you definitely don't hear about it much in um, any of the other ones, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like that's, they kind of understand the split attraction model as it's called quite a lot. And I think it right. was partially established in those communities as well as like the asexual community. Yeah, absolutely. So what, in your opinion, what is the, what does the future look like for asexuality? What do you hope to see? I mean, my, I hope that it can just be treated the same way as all the other sexualities. I would yeah. like when they talk, give you like the sex ed talk at school, that they give you that, that they talk about asexuality along with the others. I would hope that when people talk about like the LGBT plus community, they think more about the plus, they include asexuality in that and that it no longer becomes a thing that like triggers like antagonism and anger and confusion in people because like the more I've been doing activism the more I've like realized how necessary it is right because I'm interacting with people 
more, including people, like I'm hearing from asexual people, the impact it's had on them, but I'm also hearing from people who aren't asexual and just how like completely distraught they are at the idea that asexual people exist. And it's very bizarre to me. So it's yeah. just shown me like, it's very necessary to educate people and for this to be a visible thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a really great place to wrap up. That was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and for educating myself as well as everyone listening. Thanks for having me. I I, I was hoping that we'd, that we'd get to do this in the midst of quarantine and everything. So I'm glad that we managed to do it despite not physically being in the same place. Me too. Absolutely. I'll link all your socials and everything else in the description below. But thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Yasmin. Thank you. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.